Hello and welcome back to uh, Thinking About It. I'm here with, uh, who am I here with? Oh, Stan Fowler, that would be me. Dr. Stan Fowler, who is a professor emeritus from Heritage, and I'm Bob McGregor, lead pastor here at Grandview. Uh, We really appreciate you tuning in and being part of our Thinking About It. We don't often come to a solid answer for things, but, but we think about it, and I think we're better off for it. Uh, today, Stan, um, I want to talk about something that any church with a multi-staff is concerned with, any church with any staff for that matter. Um, we've got a tradition among evangelicals that when we need something done in the church, a program to be run, uh, we hire people. And we'll say, run this program, Awana or Christian Education or Children's Ministry, and it's good, it's necessary, but, but it's something that we do. And so we, we end up with a fairly large staff of program runners. And uh, that'll work fine. But in the COVID era right now, we can't run a program. So it's causing me, and I think anyone in my position, to think, okay, what are we doing with staff now? How does staff go about? I mean, the work still needs to be done, and we're not, we don't have a program in the usual sense of the word, so how do we pivot and uh, gainfully, and for spiritual progress, gainfully employ our, our staff, myself included? Wow, what a challenge. Um, and in fact, I, I think it's fair to say that in our day, Churches of, that are not exactly huge are much more prone to hire multiple vocational ministry staff than was true certainly when I started pastoral ministry in 1972. Uh, things have changed a lot. How many were on your staff in 1972? Well, I was solo pastor of, <laughs> of the church when I was in Toronto. I was initially solo pastor. Then we added a part-time um, associate And that, that was a city church, fairly large church. And even in my uh, experience in Toronto, we had a large church too. And the, I remember the first day that we hired a youth guy. That was, that was big news. Oh, yes. And now churches that size will have three or four full-time, some part-time administrative support. And we don't say, well, the good old days were good, weren't they? I mean, why, we're wimps. Why do we need all this now? And there's so many factors involved in that. But we haven't bothered to think about it until now that we're not allowed to run programs. Right. So it's forcing us to, to th- I, I think, rightly to ask, so what's the shape of that ministry of people in, in, in a vocational ministry position? Let's, let's use the term pastor broadly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, to describe those. But it, I mean, it reminds me of biblical text in Ephesians 4 when um, Paul talks about how the risen Christ has, has given gifts to the church in the form of persons. Now it talks about the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, um, some debate about how you define exactly uh, all of those. But then finally he mentions the pastors and teachers who we've seen it have a fairly obvious sense of those who serve in a local way. And yet, in, in verse 12, he says the, the focus of those people is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So the, those whom we rightly 
put in a pastoral kind of role are seen as having the need to equip others, God's people in general, to do work, works of ministry. The, historically, I think churches often were, were perhaps led astray by the way the King James Version rendered the verse, where you have a couple of commas that probably ought to drop out. And you have, of course, the work of the ministry. And so we still often will talk about the mm-hmm. ministry as if that is Formal. simply about those who are vocational pastors. But, but the word diakonia, the Greek word, is much broader than that. And so the, the essence there is that the, those whom God has gifted to provide oversight and leadership are, are in an equipping role. And, and ministry is the task of all God's people, according to diversity of gifts. And, and so I, as that particular text goes on, ultimately, verse 16, Paul talks about the whole body of the church, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I think you're, you're perceiving now in our unusual times that those in, in a vocational ministry staff role may be called to equip, to provide resources, to enable those whom they're um, leading, managing, in order that they might be more effective in ministry. And I think that's getting back to something basic. Um, I think programs are necessary to accomplish things, but... I think maybe the best programs are leadership development programs or when staff, uh, who are an amazing resource, and I I sometimes think what a waste that uh, someone will come out of Heritage with a BTH and we've got them running a program that that does not require the Greek and Hebrew and all the theological training that we give these people, but we need a program to be run. How can we better use people with this this amazing uh, resource and education? And I think it's got something to do with ra- rising, raising up um, key leaders in the church who ca- who have the potential of impacting the broader church family in a way that a single uh, leader could never do, or even through a program. So our our ministry team, I think, are pivoting right now, or I I want to see them pivot so that they still have work to do. I mean, we, people still need to be discipled and matured in, in the gospel, yes. but I think there's a better way to do it than merely running programs. And I'm not saying do away with the programs, but maybe those who are dedicated staff members can go about their work in a more meaningful way than simply running a program. And I don't want to diminish uh, people who run a children's ministry, those kinds of things. But some of our greatest ministries and programs in the church are run by lay people. Right. You mentioned uh, a while back when we were talking about the the move toward more multi-staff churches, appointment of a youth pastor back in the day. That was like a big new step. So as as you look at the scene right now, uh, from your vantage point, how do you think um, this pivot might work itself out in practice with regard to youth ministry in the church. Yeah, I'm very interested in that. I've had some great talks with Tim. We need to get Tim in here because he's on board with this too. Um, He loves ministry, and he's always said that uh, pastoral ministry is more than just youth. You can't just take a slice of the church and say, I'm going to focus on youth. 
You have to look at youth in the context of their families. So now you're thinking of family ministries. So a guy like Tim, if he's going to have the maximum impact with young people, he's got to work with dads and moms in families. And so he becomes a resource person, uh, which, which means that um, he could, he could uh, t- teach. In fact, he is overseeing our men's ministry now because we recognize that if you can uh, equip men to do the work of ministry in their home, that's the bullseye as far as we're concerned. So Tim, who wouldn't normally be involved in men's ministry, now he is seeing this is a great way for me to accomplish my youth goals by working with the larger family. So that's one of the, the, the pivots that we're looking at here at Grandview with youth ministry. Yeah, and that makes so much sense. Um, and yet, would you agree that that's still, once, once we're able to, whenever it is, move beyond... Uh, the restrictions of, of what we have right now for good public health reasons. Um, there still is a need in youth ministry for those programs or ministries, those gatherings in which you, you bring those teenagers together. I mean, it, it's a yeah. part of enabling the right kind of peer group, yes. the right kind of community. So it isn't as if, okay, everything that happens happens in the home. Uh, because there, there is a world beyond the nuclear family. So there's still a need for those. But at the same time, perhaps a new kind of emphasis on, on ministry to the parents. M- maybe there are even program-type events when you bring the parents together. So that together, they, uh, the, this youth pastor, pastor who focuses on youth and families, maybe that's the way we ought to say it, um, is, is able to resource them for their task. That yeah, that's how we're seeing it. Right. And, and I th- no one is even imagining that we wouldn't have um, wholesome youth activities. I mean, you just can't not do that. It's so, been so many practical reasons for it. I don't think it's mandated in the Bible that churches have a Tuesday night, Thursday night youth Hamburg thing. Um, but we just need to do that. Sure. But there's so much more <laughs> to youth ministry. In fact, you can, you, uh, some of the best youth fellowship times I had as a kid were, were uh, led by lay people. So the best thing that youth pastors can do is to make sure those are well done, uh, to work with leaders in those areas of mm-hmm. ministry so that the young people are not only relating to the expert youth guy, but they're learning how to relate to a team of uh, adults. We used to call them sponsors. Uh, but more than that, and, and Tim knows this, he's working on this, but if the job of a pastor is to equip the saints for ministry, then why can't that be done within the youth ministry? So now what Tim's doing is he's identifying leadership within the youth and saying, you're going to be uh, my core. I'm going to pour into you because that's what pastors do. And you will have a broader ministry whereby the, the youth ministry in a broad sense, will be impacted by you, less by me. And frankly, that's, that's what happened, maybe without even being conscious of it, when I was a teenager. And that's how I first headed toward some kind of vocational ministry. Are we going to start talking about the old days? I well, those like are the real old days, so I we need to get like beyond that. Now, let me ask you, as lead pastor, what kind of pivot do you see going on in your case? Yes, 
Well, one of the pivots is that I've got to look at my staff differently and mm-hmm. um, help them redefine what they're doing. So my my work has always been really to work with my staff, to develop my staff, pastor my staff so they can be effective. Um, I think anything that I can do, and I've always thought this way, even before COVID, but uh, my best time is spent with leaders, with men, um, the the 20% that can affect the 80% in the mm-hmm. church. I've always believed, though, that you you can't do that and be estranged from the individual, the lost sheep. And so I'm, I've always wanted to go out with a, with a guy who's struggling or uh, who's not a shaker and a mover and just to allow myself to be a pastor to someone who's struggling. It just keeps your heart right. But, but the most, uh, most of my time, like Jesus, will be spent with the 12 or with, with a smaller group of people. So I'm, I'm continuing to do that. And here at Grandview... Uh, that will look like my involvement, for instance, in the first principles study, mm-hmm. which admittedly it's for it's elementary, but what Jim Barnett and I are doing is we're calling up what we call them certified leaders and we're pouring into those leaders so that those leaders can um, pour into other people. So a lot of my time is spent with Jim working with those people at that level. Right, and so it's a way of saying while while we've appointed you to be the primary teacher of the word in in this church you're not the only teacher there there are others who have uh, those kinds of gifts those abilities that can be nurtured and developed and so while while we value your teaching on sunday mornings whether it's live in this room or or on my tv screen at home um you recognize that uh, whether it's first principles uh, courses or, or whether it's our learning center where we're, we're enabling people to grow and develop in thinking biblically about life and ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, you're equipping others to, um, to spread yeah. that. Uh, not, uh, not all teaching has to happen when the whole crowd is together on Sunday morning. That's for sure. All, all kinds That's of not other, enough. All kinds of other wonderful spots where it needs to be happening. But I, I can see our staff, and with this we've got to close, uh, going forward being resource people to parents so that now they're, they're counseling parents, there's one-on-ones. I can see Angela, for instance, who is just an amazing resource for family. She, she knows she's got books, she reads them, she knows what she's doing. Uh, I think families would be well served if, if Angela sets up an appointment. So let me come to your home and have a, just an evening chatting with you about all the resources and sharing with you how your family can be well organized uh, to teach, which, by the way, will be the topic of our next uh, yes. podcast. Yes, indeed, it uh, will. But uh, well, let's, why don't we bring this one to a close, and then we'll pivot and get ready for the next podcast. Always pivoting. Amen. Uh, I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. Thanks for joining us on Thinking About It. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you.